Welcome to Hack to Start, a podcast focused on interesting people and the innovative ways they achieve success. I'm Franco Variano. And I'm Tyler Copeland. Each week we speak with a new guest about how they created, hacked, and hustled their way to the top and distill their insights and experiences for you. The path to success isn't always linear. Hack, start, and repeat. This episode is brought to you by Breather. Find beautiful, practical spaces that you can reserve on the go. Ghost, a simple, powerful publishing platform that allows you to share your story with the world. And SoundCloud. Hear the world sounds. You're listening to episode 38 of Hack to Start. This episode features Dorothy Sanders, the co-founder, CEO, and designer of Maptia. Tyler and I wanted to invite Dorothy onto the show to share her insights on building startups from different countries, what they learned along the way, and why they're passionate about building a community and growing slowly. Dorothy and her co-founders are avid travelers with no technical backgrounds in computer science or startups. However, their passion and determination led them to be accepted by startup Chile and Techstars. Maptia has been built from Chile, Seattle, Morocco, Switzerland, and the UK with plans to add more countries under their belt. So let's get to it. Hey, Dorothy. Thanks for being on the show today. Hi there. Thank you for having me. So we'd like to start things off by getting to know a bit about yourself, like where you're from, what did you study, and how did your passion for entrepreneurship develop? Sure. Yeah. So I guess I I grew up, as you can sort of tell from my accent, in in England, deep in the countryside, in in a very small village and climbing trees and making dams and generally embracing my I had a, a boy's bowl haircut when I was when I was little and so I was I was a lot of big tomboy um I was also I read a lot um especially encyclopedias and I was just you know I've always loved projects I think ever since I was a little girl and that's something that definitely sort of led me down this path and you know, I think we always joke that our, you know, our, our sort of collective experience when we started Maptia was, you know, when I was eight years old, I decided that more people should be recycling in our village. There weren't any sort of government run schemes where we lived then. And I decided to put together a questionnaire um, in our village post office, complete with great clip art from Word, of course. And this was, you know, a sort of very early, I guess, form of customer development. And I just sort of wanted to see, you know, would people pay me to come and come and collect their recycling? And I'd, I promised to, you know, donate this money to, to WWF. And about 30 or so people, you know, replied to the questionnaire and, you know, answered my questions. And, and for the next two years, pretty much every fortnight, I, I traipsed around the village with a wheelbarrow and my, my long-suffering younger sister in tow, collecting people's recycling. And I, I loved organizing it. And I think ever since then, I've always been a, a big fan of projects and starting things and sort of, you know, that, that, um, you know, that feeling of having a vision, no matter how small it is, and, and bringing it to life is something that, that I really love. And, you know, I can't, I think I then, you know, I then went on to study physical geography at, at university in England. And I can't say that becoming an entrepreneur really ever, you know, crossed my mind. And I didn't know anyone from the business school. I'd, I'd never heard of a startup. Um, it wasn't, it just wasn't something that was on my radar. Um, and so I think instead of sort of developing a passion for entrepreneurship, it was more the other way round, I suppose. And I guess 
we shared a mission, myself, Dean and Johnny, you know, that we wanted to achieve or hope to achieve, still do, you know, with Mapia. And as we started to pursue this and, you know, learn about building a product and, and growing a community, somehow we, we'd sort of become entrepreneurs along the way. So I, I suppose it's something we sort of, you know, grew into in that way. And it's, yeah, it's been a, a wonderful journey so far. That's awesome. And we'll get a little bit more into Maptia in, in the following questions. But I wanted to highlight some of your experience. Um, so you, you previously did, did some internships with different programs at the United Nations. Can you tell us a little bit more about, you know, what you did there? Yeah, absolutely. So in my uh, second year at university, we sort of had to decide what subject we wanted to study for our, our dissertation, or maybe you guys call it a thesis. Um, and, and while other people were sort of thinking, oh, oh, you know, I'll, I'll perhaps go to the, the north coast of England and study something there. Or, you know, I was like, oh, well, perhaps I'll, I'll go to Kosovo. Um, so <laughs> people were a little, a little surprised at this, but I, I wanted to find a place and a topic where even as an undergraduate, I could do a small amount of scientific research that would make an impact, no matter how small, in the local community. And so I... I was really lucky to get an internship with the UNDP in Kosovo, um, without which I think it would have been hard to find the, the local connections. But, um, you know, that was the internship itself was very interesting. Um, but I think, you know, what I what I most enjoyed was, again, sort of the ability to sort of, you know, sort of in, inset this project. And, you know, I spent sort of three weeks driving around um, in a Jeep, between lots of different farms in Kosovo and we worked with a local NGO there collecting soil samples and vegetable samples and I was analysing um, sort of concentrations of poisonous heavy metals left over from industry there um, from smelting, lead smelting and it was just really interesting being able to work with um, you know, being able to work with the local community and to see research I'd done. So we, we mapped it out and there are different regions and different places where it was less or more safe to grow different types of, of crops and to see that research sort of transformed into, you know, a map and then into something that could sort of be, be shared with the local community. It just got me, you know, really interested in how we communicate scientific um, research and and how, you know, we can use visual storytelling and maps and, and photographs and things like that to make an impact and to connect with people. And I think that definitely had, you know, some roots in the, you know, in the sort of the stories that we focus on on Maptia now. And in the future, we'd love to be able to um, run sort of larger, sort of more fully featured um, pieces or, you know, called dispatches or something like that, where we bring on board a scientist, a photographer, um, and a, a group of people to sort of share that kind of knowledge in a really emotive, sort of compelling way. Yeah, absolutely. That that sounds that sounds awesome, and it's cool that you had that experience so young, you know, uh, so so early on, uh, and and that it helped shaped you know some of some of the vision for what what would become Maptia. So we we've talked about it a bit. You're currently the co-founder and CEO and designer at Maptia. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with startups you wear lots of hats. There are a lot of hats. Exactly. <laughs> so so even even though we've kind of mentioned it a little bit, for those who might not know, what is Maptia, and, and how did you really come up with the idea, or how did the team come up with the idea? Sure. Yeah, and I think. You know, I guess to sort of go back a little bit and, and, you know, talk a little about the philosophies, you know, as I mentioned, I, I loved reading from a young age. And one of the books that's always stayed with me is this beautiful photography book for children by Dorling Kindersley and UNICEF. And it had 50 beautiful double spreads, each with photographs of a child 
and their life, each from a very different part of the world. There was a little girl growing up with her tribe in the Amazon, a little boy growing up as an Inuit in, in Alaska. And, and what I learned from that book was that although these children's lives were very different from my own, they were also just like me and that there was no single story for a place or a people or or the way they lived their lives. And I think, you know, first of all, this just instilled a great desire in me to travel um, and to see some of these different places and cultures. And and when I finally did, you know, age 17, my, my mother was not too pleased when I told her I was heading off to Brazil alone <laughs> to stay with the host family and, and later backpack around the continent. You know, I learned... I learned so much about, you know, appreciating and understanding others' ways of life and, you know, that sort of very humbling, you know, experience of traveling, you know, with your eyes open, not as a tourist. And Johnny and Dean also, so they're my two co-founders, they'd also traveled around the same time and, and had similar experiences. And so Mapchi was really born in the beginning out of, you know, the effect we felt travel had had on us. And we thought, you know, if if, you know, in a very sort of, simple way you know if more people traveled then you know perhaps the world would be a, a slightly better place so it was it was very naive and sort of uh, somewhat woolly to begin with and we really set out you know to build a map when we first thought of the idea with everything a traveler could could possibly need you know it would have photographs blogs stories flights hostels and this must have been sort of six seven years ago and so there were there were fewer tools then that now serve you know individual you know parts of of those needs and you know but you name it we wanted to put it on this map volunteering opportunities hiking paths surf spots um and that's actually how we came up with the name for Maptia, a map that had a lot of layers um or tiers as in t I-E-R. Um, and we just sort of decided that T-I-A was, was a little bit more friendly and, and we sort of, you know, the domain name was available and that that's how, how that turned about. But I think, you know, what's happened over the, over the last couple of years is our thinking has sort of evolved. And although Match is still about inspiring people to travel to new places and absorb themselves in new cultures, it's also more focused on the act of telling stories and the impact that this can have. Um, and there's a very interesting philosopher called Roman, and I, I can't pronounce his second name, but um, who, who asserts that today there's this critical empathy gap in society. And he, he talks about this as being twofold. First, that we're failing to empathize across countries. So for instance, with those in India who are already suffering or, or Bangladesh from, from global warming, that, that's a reality for them. And secondly, that we're failing to empathize through time to future generations. Um, and so we started to ask ourselves, you know, as we as we continue to work on Maptia, what what could we do to help widen, you know, this empathy gap or, or you know, increase our circle of compassion to sort of increase the whole, sort of uh, encompass the whole planet? And how could we help build bridges that would, you know, encourage readers and, and society to sort of cross this empathy gap? And so we concluded that, you know, the answer sort of, lay in, in storytelling, in, in these compelling sort of cross-cultural narratives that, that can now be shared so broadly. Um, and it, this isn't a new idea, and, and many organizations are doing a hugely effective job of using storytelling to affect change, but we believe that now is, now is the right time to grow a global, you know, crowdsourced, open platform for this purpose. And so, we, you know, we have Wikipedia for gathering all of humanity's knowledge together in one place. 
you know, a, a home, if you like, for our collective factual understanding of the world around us. But we asked ourselves, you know, do we have a home for gathering and sort of, you know, and discovering our very subjective experiences of the places and, and cultures around us? And so we're, we're very passionate about creating a shared record of our, you know, diverse lives and, and experiences from, you know, every place on the planet and gathering stories that will foster empathy and understanding between different cultures, different geographies and stories that will, you know, empower people to care for the environment and to support those people and places that, you know, need help. And, you know, in the end, we'll just sort of inspire people to get out there and, and make the most of their time on earth. And today at its heart, I think Maptir is, you know, it's it's a community of people from all over the world who who believe in these ideas. And, you know, we've built storytelling tools like our in-situ editor, which enable writers, photographers, and nonprofits to easily self-publish stories with beautiful layouts and and to share those with our with our growing audience and and, and with the world at large. And you know, I think we we're very driven, you know, to do our best to create something meaningful, something long lasting that, you know, can have the potential to add value into the world. And, you know, I think, you know, and perhaps we'll, we'll touch on it later, but a lot of, you know, I think there's so much potential for the skills that many entrepreneurs have, especially as designers and developers to, you know, add value and help solve some of the biggest sort of problems um, that we have today and you know we hope to be you know a, a part of that and of that of that movement and I think you know there are more more companies that are, are thinking that way that are thinking longer term and so yeah I think in the in the coming months and years you know it's our aim to sort of inspire people to come together and to build this beautiful shared record of humanity's lives and experiences that one that we can share with the with the generations to come and this is you know, it's it's a it's a big idea, and we're we're just at the beginning of it, um, and we're we're very aware of that. And it's you know we're we're sort of constantly striving to improve and you know keep keep doing more. But at the end of the day, we we believe in what we're doing, and we try to you know invite our community to be a part of that. Um, so yeah, that's that's a, a little bit about Maptier and you know our philosophies behind it and and why we started it. That's awesome. It's an incredible goal and and you know the site looks beautiful, which we're going to talk about some more as well and and definitely link to it for so that people can check it out. But it's just an incredible collection of stories so far. So I think you guys are well on your way. <laughs> Thank you. It's, uh, that's mm. that's very kind. It's you know it's as I said it's the beginning, but it's 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 certainly you know been very very rewarding so far. That's awesome. So uh, you mentioned you mentioned that you know that it initially Maptia came from shared travel experiences between yourself, mm-hmm. Dean, and Johnny. So how do you three know each other, um, and and how did you meet and and you know start working on Maptia together? Sure. Yeah. So as I mentioned, we I, I studied in, at the University of Durham in in the north of England, and it was a and Johnny and Dean both studied there. So that's where we met. And it's it's a beautiful, tiny little city with a big cathedral and lots of tiny, winding, cobbled streets. And I was I was determined to go to university somewhere, somewhere like that. Um, 
Anyway, so I think we first all met at an open mic night where Dean used to sing and, and play guitar. And, you know, we got talking about our backpacking adventures before university. And, and soon after that, Johnny and I helped launch a, a very, a very small student travel magazine at Durham. And I started sort of dabbling in, in Photoshop and Illustrator, which I'd, I'd never heard of before for that project, which wasn't very helpful for my geography degree, but was very interesting. Um yeah, and so I think, you know, we've talked a little bit about, you know, how studying physical geography, you know, for me, it, it certainly got me thinking a lot about the interaction of humans with within their natural environment um, and that field work I did and, you know, how I got so interested in, in communicating these issues and using storytelling for social change. Um, so that was something, you know, we all shared a passion for and Johnny studied um economics and philosophy so we had two geographers and one economist who was rather philosophically inclined so it wasn't the uh the most likely of um sort of set of experiences with which to start building a a tech platform but but there you go and yeah Dean and I graduated a, a year before Johnny so while he finished his his final year we hitchhiked and, and backpacked our way around South America um, and also climbed um, Mount Aconcagua, which was an amazing experience. Um, and it was actually while we were on that trip that we were couch surfing in Buenos Aires and we heard about the Startup Chile incubator program for the first time. And looking back, it's it's so funny to connect the dots and see where, you know, sort of the inflection points where these unexpected, you know, random encounters will happen and, you know, the whole course of your life can sort of shift um, so we'd been, you know, scribbling ideas for Matcher in a notebook all the way around South America and while waiting at the, the side of the road with our thumbs up and Startup Chile just sounded like this, you know, far, this opportunity that was far too good to be true. And despite the fact that we were all wholly unqualified, we, <laughs> we determined we would apply for the next round. So, yeah, it, it just sounded crazy The the Chilean government were going to give us $40,000, which was a fortune to sort of penniless students and the only catch was we had to go and live in Chile for six months. So it, that's that's where it all really began and yeah, how, how we sort of got started. That's awesome. So I'm glad you brought up Startup Chile uh, because I wanted to ask you that, you know, mm -hmm. how, how because you, you guys applied to Startup Chile and then six months later, you also <laughs> got into Techstars. So yeah. how, how was that process like, you know, applying to one accelerator, going through the program, then applying to another and then also getting in? Um, mm -hmm. You know, what was that like for you guys? Sure. No, I mean, it was looking back, it was, you know, I can't, I still can't really believe we were sort of really accepted at, at the very early stage we were at. And at the time, it didn't feel like we were sort of, you know, doing anything exceptional, though, that we had a realistic shot of getting in. But looking back, I think it was, it was a combination of our sort of naivety, which actually served as well. And, you know, our, the deter sheer determination that got us in, because I think if we'd known then, you know, the level of skill that would be required, particularly in software development, you know, or how challenging, you know, certain times ahead would be, or, you know, how many times we'd sort of be forcing ourselves to take the plunge and, you know, do something we'd never done before. Perhaps we would have been, you know, a little daunted to begin, but luckily we were naive and, and optimistic. So we applied. Um, so yeah, once we got back to England, Dean and I and Johnny you know, sort of spent days on the, the floors of our, our parents' living room sketching out ideas and um, frantically trying to educate ourselves on, on what this thing called a startup was. Um, and yeah, I guess doing things by halves hasn't really ever been our style. And so I decided, you know, to do a 
a great application video. We needed to, you know, stand out and have a little bit, something a bit unusual. So I decided I would teach myself how to use After Effects to create animations. And um, we ended up putting together this sort of quirky animation and and Dean sort of played the soundtrack to go along with it. And, you know, so that I think certainly, you know, that definitely helped sort of our, our desire to be creative and perhaps because we didn't know what was expected in a way we didn't sort of put ourselves into boxes and try to tick certain things they were expecting and I think in a way perhaps that that helped and we were lucky in the fact that you know when applying to Startup Chile we did all have very good academic records coming out of university so even if it was technically unrelated I I, I hope that they you know at least saw we were vaguely credible when uh, when applying um so yeah really we just figured you know we hadn't got anything to lose learned everything we possibly could and you know sort of put our hearts into into the application and in the end you know it startup chili seemed to match us when it you know came to blind optimism and you know we got in and I don't think I'll ever forget the moment when we we found out we'd got in because Dean was in Switzerland, I was in England, and Johnny was in Morocco, and we were sort of watching this this video announcement and anxiously sort of wondering what would happen and not really expecting anything. And then you know they made the announcement, and that was a, a very excited Skype call um, after that. And yeah, so somehow you know, our inexperience and naivety in a way had propelled us into this position where suddenly we were in this environment with hundreds of other, you know, passionate entrepreneurs from all over the world. And we could learn faster than we would ever have had the opportunity to had we been, you know, trying to do this alone, um, and sort of by ourselves in a in a garage or, or something like that. Um, so yeah, now thinking, you know, about the next part of the journey and, and tech stars, you know, although, you know, we learned a great deal as part of a startup Chile, I'm not, you know, quite sure what made us think we could possibly get into a program where many of the founders are sort of ex-Amazon, Google or, or Apple employees. And, you know, they certainly were in our round. And, you know, the odds of getting in are statistically, I think, lower than, you know, getting into even Harvard or Yale. But we knew that, you know, we needed more mentorship and, and guidance. We'd sort of figured at least that out if we were going to give Matcha the chance that, you know, we we believed it it deserved. And, you know, in the end, we just said, right, screw it, let's, you know, give it our best shot and, and see what happens. And we took very much the same approach as we did with Startup Chile. And I suppose that, you know, we've taken ever since. And, you know, we got invited to the, the Techstars Open Day and flew, you know, 10,000 kilometers from Santiago to Seattle to attend. Um, and while we were there, we just sort of, you know, we did everything we could and, you know, everything sort of creative we could think of, you know, and we, we set up lots of coffee meetings and, you know, sort of badgered all the mentors to meet, meet with us while we were there and, you know, made friends with the Techstars team who let us use their co-working space and, um, you know, and even I think we mentioned uh, um, in our post on Medium, but, you know, that we were sort of rather short on money at that point and so we found some fairly comfortable offcuts of soundproof matting that were lying around and we, we slept on their office floor at night which they didn't know about until after we were accepted but I, I'm sure they thought that was I hope they thought that was resourceful but um yeah so we you know again Dean wrote a song for our, our application video so I'm rather embarrassed to say that we all sang along to that on the video <laughs> so I, I hope that video is lost in the internet oblivion somewhere in some little corner but you know, we 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 tried to, you know, we, we were ourselves and 
we just did our best and, and were creative and did sort of blog posts about some of the mentors and just sort of, you know, tried to think of other ways we could, you know, show them how determined we were, um, despite not having a version of the of the product. We had a prototype, but we didn't have anything live. Um, and then, you know, we ended up amazingly getting invited to the final round of the, the interviews, which involved our, our whole team flying out to Las Vegas, which was a totally sort of surreal experience. It's not a place I'd ever been before. And we were, you know, ridiculously nervous and knew there would be, you know, really difficult questions and lots of probing sort of discussions. But, you know, in the end, the interview flew by. And, you know, although we walked out feeling that we had shared an honest reflection of, of who we were and had answered some of their questions well, we were at such an early stage with the product. And, you know, we knew that our chances remained extremely slim. Um, but somehow, unbelievably, just, you know, it, it was meant to be a week or so, I, I think I recall, until they announced the decision. So we came out of the interview and were brainstorming, oh, what can we do now? We, we've got one last shot. Like, let's do one more thing that we can hopefully convince them. Um, and then there was just sort of this this miracle that seemed to happen. Just a couple of hours later, the the textiles director took me to one side and it was sort of in the, we were having a get together and, and drinks in the evening for the applicants. And he, he sort of took my shoulder and, and turned me away so no one else could see my face and quietly told me just out of the blue that they'd love to accept us onto the program. And it was, awesome. it was, it was a crazy moment and I couldn't even tell the others on the team for the next half hour that we'd been accepted um, as apparently, you know, they weren't going to announce anything officially yet. So I, I, I had a rather Bridget Jones moment and had to go to the bathroom and, and jump up and down silently in one of the cubicles to contain my <laughs> excitement. I wish I could have videoed that. Um, and then I, I bought the guys another round of drinks and they were rather suspicious as I'm usually one for working hard and not playing so hard. But yeah, we were only, you know, a year or so out of university then. And so it was it was a huge deal for us to sort of have come from England where at that time you know, we hadn't been part of the startup community then. And it, it's something that's grown hugely in the last, you know, three or four years, but it wasn't a big deal for us when we were at university and to sort of end up in this, in this situation was, was wonderful. So yeah, it was a, it was a bit of a, a crazy adventure to get in. And, you know, more than anything, I think what textiles were convinced about and, you know, beyond our British accents, which I, I maintain were a big reason for getting into the program. I think they saw that, you know, we would commit ourselves to learning and embracing everything that the program had to offer. And more than anything, they invest in the team behind the product and the idea. And it's it's an amazing network. And to this day, you know, we, we've been grateful for the support that the Techstars family is always ready to offer, you know, one of their own and also the, the wider sort of entrepreneurial community. So we certainly feel very lucky to have been part of both of those programs. So, yeah, that's that's sort of how, how it began, I suppose. It does sound like an incredible adventure. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> so what were some of the biggest lessons you learned through through each accelerator program? And were there any major, you know, differences and approaches between them? Mm -hmm. Sure. Well, you know, we were we were part of Startup Chile in its really early days. So I think we were round two. And I, I think they've passed like round 14 by now. Um, so it's hard for me to say what the program's like now. It's evolved so much. But you know, one of the things that really stuck with us most is 
the attitude of the staff and the teams who took part. And I think it takes a certain kind of person to fly halfway around the world and relocate their life, you know, no matter how passionate they are about their business idea. And so for us, it was, you know, it's an awesome place to learn the ropes of sort of behind, you know, growing a startup and, you know, just to ask as many questions as we could of the often more experienced entrepreneurs who were who were surrounding us. So it was it was just such a sort of melting pot of different ideas. And I think there were about 200 teams there just while we were there in the in the sort of, you know, overlapping from different rounds. So it was this amazing, yeah, sort of melting pot of ideas. And we couldn't really have hoped for a a better place and a, a sort of it wasn't as intense as Techstars and I think that was a good place for us to you know get started and, and to begin so it was it was different very dif- different from Techstars in that sense where there are only 10 teams and it's you know I think it's probably the most intense experience I've I've ever had in terms of of Mapture or, or a project or, or anything like that um so yeah Techstars was you know a pretty sort of transformative experience and it, it sort of <laughs> chewed us up and, and spat us out on the other side, breathless, exhausted, <laughs> filled with ideas. And, you know, just as passionate as we went in. And I hope with a, a hell of a lot more knowledge than when we started. Equally, we, we realized how little we knew. Um, that became very clear. But, you know, the mentors gave us new ways of thinking and ways of asking questions about what we were building. And I think that was perhaps the most one of the most valuable lessons we learned while we were there. And you know, that said, during the first few weeks of the program, that the tornado of advice that sort of hit us from these mentors that at that point we were sort of, you know, somewhat in awe of because, you know, they'd sort of founded companies that were around when, you know, the internet was starting and, you know, they had all this knowledge and experience and, you know, it did cause us in the beginning to question almost everything we were doing and the, the Techstars founders call this, and perhaps others others as well, you know, mentor whiplash, um, so learning to filter this feedback was another another key lesson we learned. And then, you know, towards the end of the program, there was the demo day, which was the the big sort of showdown uh, at the end of the the three months. And each company has to pitch their startup to a room full of over sort of six hundred investors. For anyone who sort of doesn't know what that is and how how that ends up, um, and I think somehow in the end, you know, and stronger, you know for all the sort of stress and emotion we'd been through, we, we managed to pull everything together and, and the presentation, you know, went went really well in the end. And although we were at a very early stage, we'd we'd learned so much about ourselves, about what we were building, or or rather in some cases what we didn't want to build. And we'd made, you know, we'd made amazing progress in in those three months. And I think that is something very defining to the to the textiles experience or to any kind of you know incubator or accelerator like that um you you just sort of in those three months it's almost like sort of three years of of life experience and ideas and and things that just sort of hit you wham um, <laughs> and you you sort of come up reeling and you know but you know hopefully having you know made really good progress on on your business and you know also grown as a team um and so, yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that perhaps is different for us than for other teams that have gone through Techstars is that, you know, for us, it kind of showed us exactly what our, our why and our, our was not. And we realized that, you know, for us, it didn't involve growing as quickly as possible with the ultimate goal of making a, a financially lucrative exit. And while, you know, we, we can appreciate this approach is, is very compelling and, you know, rewarding for others, 
for us, the thought of pouring, you know, our time and energy and, you know, hearts into Mapcha only to sell out at the end for, you know, a load of cash, that wasn't, that wasn't something that resonated with us. And so, you know, we realized that ultimately we wanted to build a company that, you know, we didn't ever want to sell. And over the next two years in Morocco and Switzerland, you know, we've we've pursued this vision and hunkered down and made our sort of the tech, the investment from textiles last and made the decision that we didn't want to monetize too early um, or to compromise on our, our values, philosophies or the mission we have at Maptia. And and despite, you know, the, the tough times and there have been plenty of times where we doubted ourselves, as I'm sure anyone who who runs a startup or, or or a business or anything like that has found. You know, we've been able to somehow sort of come through all of that and build and launch, you know, a publishing platform with an in situ editor that is sort of, you know, along can sort of come, you know, start to come alongside some of the sort of newest ones out there on the web and, you know, to grow an amount of to grow meaningful content and, and readers from all over the world. So it, it still feels a little bit miraculous that we've we've got this far, but certainly the lessons learned from, you know, through Techstars and, and Startup Chile were were both instrumental in teaching us sort of how to think and, you know, how to how to build a business and um, what we, we really wanted to do. That's awesome. So, uh, you know, I'm glad you've mentioned that, uh, you know, several times throughout the, the podcast so far that, you know, the Maptia team is is comprised of, you know, avid and seasoned travelers <laughs> um, and that you guys, you know, have started off in Chile, then moved to Seattle, then Morocco and now in Switzerland and, and I'm sure a bunch of other places in between. So mm -hmm. how do you run a startup on the move and how has each, you know, geographic location impacted both mm -hmm. the development of Maptia and, you know, your continued perception of the world? Yeah, for sure. No, that's that's a, a really good question. I think, you know, on from a practical side, all we've really ever needed is, you know, a halfway decent internet connection. And we're, we're kind of good to go, partly because I think none of us, you know, because none of us ever had a sort of a job um, or, or an official job at, at a larger company or organization, I, I don't think any of us had, you know, preconceived ideas about what a startup needed in terms of office equipment or, or salaries. And I think, you know, we did see while we were in the US, you know, a lot of early startups burning through cash very early on um, for things that seemed somewhat unnecessary to us. Um, and so, you know, we were we were more than willing to make small sacrifices on on those material things and to kind of live a bit more nomadically and, and a, a bit differently. Um, so I think, you know, for us, certainly living in different places and, you know, being part of different communities has definitely been one of the most rewarding and I think valuable things we, we've done with Maptia, both from a personal perspective and also from the point of view of developing Maptia. Because I think, you know, for instance, different groups of people have, have brought us different points of view and, and ideas about what we're working on. I think we've managed to avoid becoming part of a sort of an echo chamber, if you like, of ideas or or particular, you know, formats that people sort of latch onto about how to build a startup, because there are so many different ways to do things and mm -hmm. to stay fresh and keep coming up with ideas. You know, I, I think that's really important. And when we moved sort of to this tiny, tiny coastal village in Morocco, which was about as far away as we could have gone from the sort of US-based startup hub, it was, you know, able to give us this amazing sense of perspective and clarity on what we were building. And I think sometimes there can be too much feedback and too many right ideas or like the best ways to do things. And it just stepping back a little was something that was really valuable for us. 
Um, so that that certainly is something we've, you know, we've really enjoyed and, you know, valued. And I think in the long term, so we're actually, we, we actually left Switzerland just a, a couple of months ago. So we've uh, moved on again. And, and this time we, we decided to just have a, a small pause from the uh, gallivanting. Um, <laughs> and we've come back to the UK just for, you know, six months or so. And I think in the long term, you know, we do plan to have some kind of base, um, slightly more more fixed, you know, HQ here in the UK, close to our friends and families. And then every year, I think at least for, you know, three month period, we will become, you know, we'll be nomadic again. And we're, we're thinking of Asia for, for later this year. But I think, you know, it's something that is kind of embedded into who we are and, and the culture of the team. And we love the idea of, you know, every year it's a sort of an annual thing that happens. And, you know, we head to a new country, perhaps, you know, voted on by the community to work from there, to immerse ourselves in the local community and also to work with photographers on on sort of special storytelling projects related to that country. And, you know, perhaps partnering with a local sort of nonprofit organization. Um so, you know, it's it's really important to us that our culture at Mapti reflects the values and philosophies we we founded the company on. And so I think, you know, we believe that le- continuing to learn more and fostering our own empathy and understanding of different countries will only help us, you know, increase Mapti's impact and reach and and to learn more and to think from different perspectives and, and meet different communities of people. So I think, you know, that's it's it's certainly a big part of who we are and I hope it will continue for for many years to come that we we keep moving around it's it's brilliant sounds like so much fun so you've mentioned it a couple times but there's this medium article that you wrote which outlined the first thousand days after starting maptia and within that article you mentioned there was only one small problem none of us had ever written a line of code nor had we studied at a business school or had a formal job and nor did we have any experience in design marketing (laughs) And heck, we barely even knew what the term startup was, right? So how did you guys come together to start learning the skills necessary to build Mapdia? Sure. No, and I think, yeah, it was sort of, you know, and I've, I've touched on it before, but I, I think, you know, it. as I mentioned earlier, you know, for, for me personally, you know, I played around a little in, in Photoshop and, and Illustrator back when we, you know, started that, that small travel magazine at uni. And so, you know, when we were thinking about who would take, different roles it it made sense for me to give you know give the designer a shot but you know that's what it was it was just very you know natural and kind of organic really and it wasn't like we didn't sort of think oh you know I need to become a designer or a developer or a marketer and we didn't sort of set out to be that role that wasn't our aim instead we set out to build Maptia and to learn you know the skills we needed no matter what it took to do that and I think that has actually, you know, given us an important distinction because I think when you are sort of empowered and, you know, excited to build a fit, like a product or bring a vision to life, you don't sort of, I don't know, you have a reason to kind of voraciously try to learn more mm-hmm. about what you're doing. And so certainly for Dean, who is now, you know, a full stack developer, he does the back end and the front end for Maptia, um, and for this current version has, you know, done pretty much all of it. And you know, for him, I think having a reason and like a sort of a focus point around which to center his learning has been really valuable rather than just saying, oh, you know, I'd like to learn this programming language and I'm going to do, you know, having a reason for it, I think really speeds up your learning and is is very valuable. And so, 
you know, we, we did our best to identify our, our strengths kind of early on, you know, while we were in Startup Chile and experimented a bit. But as I said, it was it was a very sort of natural evolution. And um, even, you know, today we tend to work, you know, really collaboratively on a lot of what we do because our teams remained quite small. And mm-hmm. so the three of us will, you know, spend time, you know, brainstorming, you know, a marketing campaign or, you know, talking about the direction of the product. And it, it's been a very collaborative process, although we kind of each sort of, I suppose, take responsibility um, for certain areas. It's it's a very natural, you know, fun process. That's really cool. So, so how do you manage being a CEO and a designer? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't I, <laughs> I mean, we wear people wear so many hats and startups and you know I I think as I you know perhaps I mentioned earlier I can't remember but I I find these labels that we give ourselves a little bit discomforting in a way and I I do feel Mm -hmm. I do feel a little strange referring to myself as CEO or you know designer and and to some extent you know I think this does stem for me from a sort of a constant personal inner battle to kind of you know, measure what I do against, you know, some of the, the best work out there and to see, you know, what I do is as good enough. And I do tend to hold everything we do to have very high standards. And I, you know, always have this sense that we can keep improving and, and doing more, which is, is great motivation, um, but can get a little intense sometimes. So, you know, for now, it, it still feels as if I'm, I'm someone who might at any time discover that I'm not I'm not a real designer, (laughs) you know, that um, I think a lot of creatives struggle with the same feelings. Um, And I've been, you know, amazed to read some of the most experienced designers, you know, in in interviews they've given, they they still often feel this way. And I think, I think a lot of creative people probably need to strive to kind of be, be kinder to themselves. And, and society doesn't always make this easy with a culture that holds up perfectionism and, and productivity as as measures of of self-worth so you know that was a perhaps a, a little deviation on the on your question but it's it's something you know when when people talk about titles that you know always kind of comes to me and then in in practical terms I think the fact that I I work in both these roles has meant that we've always put design first when making product decisions um, and it's something that definitely permeates, you know, every aspect of the company from marketing to branding and, mm-hmm. you know, but because I also do a lot of our editorial work, um, I, I definitely struggle with having enough time, to, you know, as much time as I would like to dedicate to working on design. And, you know, it, it's something I love and, you know, would really like to to sort of have the chance to practice a lot more. But it's, it's I think it's a great thing for us that it's been design has been such an important part of you know, all, all aspects of Mapped as we've sort of gone forwards. And I hope that that continues to be the case. And we can, in the future, bring on, you know, some other, you know, very talented people to to kind of help us out. Your process for getting things done at Maptia is very collaborative. So how does Maptia approach building a community? Mm-hmm. Sure. No, so I think, you know, this is something that's evolved a great deal over the past three years. And, and in the beginning, one of the one of the things we focused on a lot was, you know, how can we add value to perhaps the people who we think would be great in our community? And so early on, Johnny, who who sort of, you know, kind of heads up, has the, the role of heading up community and marketing at Maptia, would would spend we'd spend a lot of time, you know, 
thinking about small things we could do to help promote perhaps a photographer's work um, or, you know, we, we've helped out, you know, various photographers with, you know, Kickstarter campaigns they've run. And, and one of the things we, that's one of the approaches we, we took a lot, you know, early on and something we, we continue to do today is adding value to the people in our community beyond, you know, that which Matcha might, you know, might be expected to give. But I think, you know, what really lies at the heart of our approach is, is this idea of empowering the community to feel ownership of, of Matcha's mission and making our mission a, a shared mission. And I think it was, you know, it was probably the most fundamental step we ever took as a team and as a company to define our purpose, our why, and, you know, the change we wanted to make in the world. And I think, you know, this is what kind of keeps us working all hours. It, it's what makes us determined to give our best. And, you know, it's what kind of keeps us going when, when things get tough. And one of the things we did in terms of growing the community was to launch a, um, a, a version of our, we wrote a, a travel manifesto, um, which begins, I blank want to see the world. And, and people can fill in their name on the sort of, it's not, it doesn't actually say blank, it, it has a line <laughs> um, where you can fill your name in. Um, and this is, you know, it's, it's to this day was sort of the most popular piece of content we, we created and has been shared by, you know, tens of thousands of people and hundreds of travelers from all over the world have signed it and, and sent us their photos, which has been, you know, it's, it's so fun to get those in our, in our inbox and think, oh, you know, this meant something to someone on the, on the other side of the world. You know, those individual interactions are, are really rewarding. Um, and so, you know, that's one example of something. And I, we've done and you can't ever tell you know what might take off or or have that little sort of remarkable spark and so I think trying a lot of different things has been something we've you know we've focused on as well but you know we're constantly aiming for our, our community's emotional engagement with Mapgia to be so inspiring and I so so much deeper than perhaps with a you know with any you know with a sort of more traditional sort of tool um that they don't see Mapgia you know, no longer as an editor just for publishing their stories or, or a place to sort of grow their audience. But instead, you know, we aim for it to be about subscribing to the to a set of philosophies and for it to be about finding like-minded people who who share a love of travel and who believe in in making a change in the world. And I think, you know, sort of trying to grow Mapture in this way, um, you know, and getting people to share in our mission and a chance to get behind what we believe. Um, and giving them a way to share this has been, I think that still today, you know, it's very much lies at the heart of, you know, how we hope to grow and, you know, sort of continue to grow, to grow our community. So in that same Medium post that I mentioned earlier, you mm -hmm. described a lot of ups and downs uh, most startups have. For, for you guys, what were some of the biggest um, downs and ups that you had? And would you be able to share that with us? Yeah, definitely. You know, it's as I as I've mentioned, you know, alluded to earlier, it, it really has been a very sort of, you know, a, a journey filled with some, you know, highs and, and lows. And I think, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm sure that, you know, a lot of your listeners will, you know, and, and especially people who work in startups will at times have struggled with difficult emotions, you know, feeling like a failure, a fraud and, you know, feeling like nothing you, you seem to do is good enough or, or measures up to, you know, the, the sort of vision you're, you're trying to execute on. So, you know, for us, I think, you know, although there have been a lot of big ups and downs and Techstars particularly was, you know, a very sort of um, intense period, it was, I think at the beginning of 2014, you know, that was a time when our whole team, but especially me, 
you know, we experienced a, a loss of confidence in our ability to bring, you know, our vision for Maptia to life. And despite the fact that, you know, we'd sort of successfully launched, uh, you know, the first beta version of Maptia and we'd had some, you know, encouraging and, and positive feedback from our founding storytellers, it, our hard work, it just still felt like a, a drop in the ocean. And, you know, we hadn't monetized Maptia at that point and, you know, we were unsure whether to, you know, start supporting it ourselves or whether to take a different route. And, you know, we didn't believe in Maptia any less. We just doubted our own ability to to build this. And I think, you know, I particularly had, you know, very intense, you know, feelings of being a failure and a fraud and, and found it very difficult not to feel terribly inadequate when comparing ourselves to bigger, better funded and, and more experienced teams. And I think, you know, as I, I said before, it's very common for people who are building something to experience this sort of constant oscillation between these inspired, you know, sort of possibility fueled highs and these intense, you know, lows that are very anxious times where you're struggling to achieve goals you've set yourself, which I think is it's inevitable in the early days of a startup and you have to aim high. Um, otherwise, you know, it, it's it's very difficult to get started. But, you know, so at the end of the day, you know, we, we've come to believe that the bumps and, you know, sort of, you know, the along the way are, they're an essential, you know, part of the ride. And when you decide to build your own thing and to, you know, kind of step out into the arena and, you know, take risks and open yourself up to failure, then this is something that, you know, will happen and something that you'll you'll need to work through as a team. Um, and for us, you know, when we were experiencing this at, at the beginning of last year, very intensely, you know, it, it was when we came back, you know, to our mission and our, our purpose, and, and we reaffirmed those things and established that, you know, we, we still saw this amazing opportunity to build, you know, Maptia is this global platform for, for storytelling and for sharing, you know, our lives and experiences centered around places. And, and so it's always, you know, when things get tough, I, I'm not sure how I could possibly build a startup that didn't have uh, a sort of deeper mission or, or to some extent, you know, some kind of altruistic purpose um, or, or have strong philosophies, you know, that it was sort of bound to. Because when you're working, you know, all hours and, you know, sacrificing other things to sort of do this, then for me, I have to have that that deeper motivation. So when we get stuck in these lows, then that's sort of what, what we turn to. That's really cool. So so what are some of the things that we're going to see from Aptia in 2015? Mm -hmm. Sure. So gosh, <laughs> there's always, it's always a challenge, you know, trying <laughs> to focus on, on, you know, which area and, and for us, especially now we've had, you know, three years to kind of come up with an infinite number of ideas and, and throw, you know, 90% of them out the window and really hone and plan the ones that we want to focus on. Um, but, you know, even when we launched Maptia 2.0, you know, at the beginning of December, the sort of first official public version, you know, that that doesn't contain, you know, it's sort of only, you know, perhaps 10% of the things that we hope to build. And it's, there's this process of, you know, prioritization. And again, you know, especially if you want to keep the team team small and, you know, don't want to take on a, a lot of investment in the beginning. This is something that, you know, I think I think it has been, it's very positive. Um, I think you see some startups take on a lot of cash and then, you know, suddenly they're able to do everything and they, they don't prioritize anymore and they, they release lots of features. But, 
you know, what we're, we're sort of going through this prioritization process at the moment. But in 2015, I think, you know, we're making sure that we focus on the impact that we want, you know, we hope Maptia can have. And we want to do justice to the work that's already being contributed to Maptia by, you know, in some cases, some of the sort of best, most well-known photographers in the world and to find a way to directly, you know, support them. And in the long run, we'd love to be able to support more people so that they can photograph and tell impact-driven stories um, and have more resources and more funds to do this because that's something that, you know, has changed in the last sort of, you know, 20 years. And we want to enable them to do this, um, you know, to produce stories that will both inspire people to get out there and also foster sort of empathy and change. And one of the key ways we hope to do this is through community-driven crowdfunding. So supporting photographers um, and the amazing work they're doing and, and that they would like to do. And we see crowdfunding as a, it's a really exciting area and something I think, you know, that is, you know, there are a lot of examples of, you know, it proving successful in the world of kind of content and, and publishing. And we want to help our community and our, our photographers tap into that. Um, so that's one area, you know, sort of by the end of the year, we'd like to have sort of, you know, started experimenting more fully in. And then another way we're really excited to work with our community is on the launch of place pages. So first of all, for sort of, you know, each country in the world, and then eventually a, a place page will be able to exist for anywhere in the world, whether it's, you know, a city or perhaps even a, a very famous building or, or the top of a mountain. Um, and, you know, each of these place pages sort of will include a selection of compelling stories about that particular country, um, all sort of, you know, displayed on hopefully a, a beautiful map. And we all content on Matt is organized by place. So for people who, who don't know that, and we really see place as, you know, the, the places are, they are the, the somewheres where our lives take place. And so we, you know, like to use that as a sort of anchoring point for gathering different stories together. And so we're really excited to launch place pages because I think having a, a kind of home for a, a place online and perhaps, you know, for people, even just for people sort of, you know, looking to travel and being able to come to Maptia, you know, perhaps in addition to Wikipedia, where you sort of get a more, a more factual sense of, of what the place is like and being able to inspire themselves and learn more about the different, you know, facets and you know aspects of of that country um in a very visual sort of way so yeah i think those are you know those are, are two things we're, we're really looking forward to working on and then one other thing perhaps to mention is that we're we're really excited to launch some sort of awards in the near future which will help sort of reward those storytellers who are you know producing exceptional content and hmm. you know appreciate that and you know helping them to perhaps you know fund their next trip um, and I think, you know, we also want to connect with photographers, um, connect the photographers themselves with charities and, you know, NGOs and organizations um, who could benefit from the skills that, that people in our community have. So, you know, we'd love one day to sort of generate awareness and donations directly through the storytelling on Maptia. And, you know, we work with a number of nonprofits already. So that's definitely, you know, another area when we're thinking about, you know, our focus on impact. Um, this year that we'd we'd like to pursue so lots of sort of fun things in the in the pipeline but it's mm -hmm. just a question of you know which which ones we're, we're kind of working on first so we're sort of in the process of making those decisions at the moment and I hope in the next couple of months people will start to see some exciting developments and, and new ways of you know consuming content and, and sharing content on mapped yeah cool we'll have to we'll have to you know keep checking in on the site to, to see those developments unfold 
Thanks. Yeah, no, I, I hope so. So beyond, you know, consistently working and editing for Maptia, are there any apps, books, or other tools that uh, that you tend to turn to or that are a little obsessed with? Mm-hmm, sure. Um, well, um, I think, I don't know, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm not someone who kind of gets very obsessed with tools or or trends or, or things like that. And perhaps it's because I'm so sort of, you know, focused on, on Maptia, but we definitely, you know, in fact, Google Sheets, I think are probably that's probably the tool I spend most of my time in because I have not yet found a tool, despite there being many out there, that, you know, helps us organize, um, you know, say our editorial content and, you know, having being able to kind of use the the grids in Google spreadsheets to make any kind of setup you like and and to track things. And, you know, we've actually found that to be, you know, and it still is something that we use all the time every day. So, you know, who knows whether a, a sort of more official tool or app will, will appear to replace that. But for now, we, we spend a lot of time in that. And now we're back in the UK, we, we have and we've sort of a couple more people have come on board, particularly with the editorial work. We've uh, been using Slack, Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is the only new tool that we have sort of picked up in the last three years and kept, which I'm quite surprised at um, because we've tried a lot of, you know, sort of task tools and all sorts of things, but nothing has stuck. And, you know, we've always used Skype for communication before, but Slack is, you know, it's fantastic. It, it speaks for itself. I'm sure, you know, anyone who, who's used it would would say the same. The ability to, you know, sort of, you know, have constant communication between a remote team without having to rely on email um, and things like that has been has been brilliant. So yeah, that's a, a a good example of you know I think one of the only tools or apps that I I might be sort of class myself as being obsessed with. So do you have any last thoughts or personal models that you live by that you think others should know about? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, this is this is a tough one, and you know, as I said, I'm not someone who. Who tends to sort of you know overthink and you know have mottos or uh, I'm not very keen on the term life hacking or you know mm-hmm. I, I don't tend to you know pursue my daily routine in a particular way. So I think I think I'm gonna I'm gonna steal from the the wonderful Brené Brown and and if anyone listening hasn't watched her TED talks on shame and vulnerability or, or read her book, then you know I highly recommend you do so. Um, and the title of one of her books is is Daring Greatly which in turn is a, a phrase from a speech by, by Theodore Roosevelt. And here, Brenny, she's, she's making a reference to the fact that when we step into the arena, when we show up, when we, when we allow ourselves to be vulnerable, and when we open ourselves up to the fear of failure, we are daring greatly. And by embracing vulnerability and, and imperfection, you know, we're striving to live wholeheartedly and engaging, you know, with courage in, a, in our own lives. And I think, you know, as, as Roosevelt originally said, you know, the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and, and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who at best knows in the end that triumph of high achievement and who at worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. And I, I've always loved that. And I, I love Brené's sort of inter- interpretation of that and the, the book she sort of wrote, partly, you know, using that as a, as a, as a metaphor and you know, I don't think daring greatly is always something I'm I'm very good at. And certainly living wholeheartedly without the fear of, you know, not being worthy or of my work sort of not being good enough is something that, you know, I, I tend to wage a, a fairly constant battle with. And I think, you know, it certainly seems that, you know, psychological struggles are something that 
many entrepreneurs do have in common and are also now starting to talk about more, which I think is is fantastic. But, you know, in those moments when I, I do have courage and I do embrace my life and, and my work wholeheartedly, I found that that daring greatly, whether we, we succeed or or whether we fail is is probably, you know, one of the most rewarding ways we can live. Absolutely. I think that's a very fitting conclusion to 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 the talk that we had today uh you know really appreciate your time dorothy and and insight i feel like it was you know reading the first chapter of a very exciting novella and and (laughs) waiting for the next to come out so so very excited to see you know what continues to develop with with you and the team at maptia in 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 the next years and and months ahead thank you no it's been a, a real pleasure real pleasure talking to you well that's about it for this episode of hack to start you can find all the important links beneath the show be sure to follow us on Twitter at hack to start and sign up for our newsletter to know about all the latest episodes, behind the scenes content, and more. Thanks for listening and see you next time.